a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You know how much I love old documents. And so this story I'm about to share with you now uh, got me particularly excited. It has to do with Donald Trump and Richard Nixon. Yeah, Donald Trump and Richard Nixon. Now think back. You've heard President Trump make reference to uh, Richard Nixon a few times. Here, uh, this going back uh, May of this year, he was on the phone with uh, the folks on Fox News, their morning show Fox and Friends. Uh, Trump said he learned a lot. From Richard Nixon. I learned a lot from Richard Nixon. Don't fire people. I learned a lot. I study history and (laughs) the firing of everybody. I should have in one way, but I'm glad I didn't because look at the way it turned out. They're all a bunch of crooks and they got caught. But I learned a lot by watching Richard Nixon. Of course, there was one difference, one big difference. Number one, he may have been guilty. And number two, he had tapes all over the place. I wasn't guilty. I did nothing wrong. And there are no tapes. All right. So President Trump uh, and Richard Nixon, of course, uh, reading between the lines there and remembering context of President President Trump speaking there about the Mueller investigation. He uh, was within his you know, authority to, to fire some of those folks, uh, as Nixon did uh, when the heat was being turned up on him. Anyway, uh, that's just a, a little bit of background. Well, maybe not even that, because for background, we would have to go back some three decades. Something is happening today uh, in California at the at the Nixon Library. There is a new exhibit being opened at the Richard Nixon Presidential Library and Museum. And this new exhibit will put on display for the very first time a series, a long series of correspondence between Donald Trump, Donald Trump and Richard Nixon. This correspondence uh, starts in the 80s, some years after uh, President Nixon resigned from office and when President Trump uh, was just getting going as a a real estate developer looking to put his stamp on New York. Now, this exhibit opens up later today, and uh, we're very lucky the Associated Press, uh, who frustrates me sometimes and, uh, and gives me good stuff other times, today uh, has come through and delivered uh, some really neat stuff. We are now able to look at some of those letters uh, in, more, in more detail. Now, you might be saying to yourself, yeah, we, we know about this letter. There has been a letter hanging in President Trump's office for years and years and years. Uh, and that is true. There has been, if you remember The Apprentice show, you'd see uh, up in President Trump's office from time to time, there would be uh, a letter signed by uh, Richard Nixon, a very short letter, which said essentially, and, I, and I'm paraphrasing here from memory, uh, it said that, uh, Donald, uh, you're, you're a bright young man. Uh, wherever you go, should you even pursue politics, I believe that you would be very, excess, very successful, uh, signed uh, President Nixon. So that, that letter 
uh, has remained framed and uh, public and known about for years. None of us knew about these uh, letters that started in June of 1982. You see, uh, some years after the Watergate scandal, somehow Donald Trump and Richard Nixon find themselves together at a nightclub in New York City. And afterwards, uh, <laughs> afterwards, the correspondence begins again in June of 1982. This is Trump writing to Richard Nixon, quote, I think that you are one of this country's great men, and it was an honor to spend an evening with you. Nixon replied to that letter. Uh, sometime later, he writes, let me be so presumptuous as to offer a little free advice, which is worth, incidentally, exactly what it costs. Uh, and he went on to talk about some of the, the stresses and how to deal with them uh, that that Donald Trump at the time was enduring uh, as he uh, looked to to be the owner of the New Jersey Generals. Now, this th- this little part of the correspondence between uh, the the past and current president uh, deserves a little bit of a backstory. The New Jersey this is this is wild to think that Richard Nixon was weighing in on on professional football football business dealings uh, in the eighties absolutely blows my mind. But he, he, here's the background. So. Donald Trump, there was a time in his life as he, in this era, actually, early 80s, he was looking to uh, become, you know, the, the mogul uh, that, that he, you know, want, wanted to be. He wanted to be center of attention. He wanted to be head of the table. And he viewed one of the ways of securing a position like that uh, as being the owner of an NFL team. Yeah, b- being an, an NFL team owner, huge deal, right? Puts you on a new level. And in those years, uh, Donald Trump was trying to buy uh, the the Colts. They were in trouble uh, financially. They were struggling. Uh, Trump saw it as an opportunity. Uh, he was ultimately elbowed out of that deal. Uh, becoming an owner requires you know the, the, the sign-off of other owners. He couldn't quite get that, and that left a bad taste in his mouth. And so he looked to a newly formed professional football league here in the United States, the USFL. Do you remember this? Uh, you got to be uh, a little, little older than me to, to remember uh, all these details and to remember the, uh, the New Jersey Generals and to remember when Herschel Walker was playing in, uh, in the USFL or uh, Doug Flutie or Jim Kelly. Well, Trump saw this as an opportunity, the existence of this newly formed league. He saw it as an opportunity to become the owner of a professional football team. And so he purchased the New Jersey Generals. He purchased the New Jersey Generals and quickly... Now, he I said he wanted to be a professional football team owner. What he really wanted to be was an NFL team owner. And so, if they don't let you in uh, with your first attempt, let's see if we can sneak in the back door. And so he purchases the New Jersey Generals, and then he rallies up all the other team owners, uh, a good number of them, and says, hey, listen, you know what? Let's move from spring football to fall football. Let's play football in the fall and go right up uh, uh, against the NFL. And uh, so they did that, and then they had some standing, and President Trump then, well, then Donald Trump, uh, he took the NFL to court. He sued them for antitrust violations, uh, and that there was unfairness in the market. And would you believe it? The Donald Trump won. Donald Trump defeated uh, the NFL in that lawsuit. Now, there's an asterisk to that victory. Because you know how, how cases often work. There are damages awarded. 
Well, uh, the damages awarded Donald Trump and the USFL uh, owed to them by the NFL amounted to this is some good trivia if you if you if you know it already. Uh, congratulations to you. The total dollar amount of damages owed to Donald Trump and the the USFL came to three U.S. dollars, three dollars. That check was delivered to Donald Trump, uh, and he has held on to it ever since. And when all of this was happening, there was a great deal of uh, you know n- negative uh, attention being paid to, to Donald Trump. Uh, he's no stranger to it, right? And uh, it was in 1986 that Richard Nixon, Richard Nixon, Richard Nixon uh, sent Donald Trump a, a letter giving him some advice on how to handle that. That oftentimes those uh, who are attacking you, uh, or rather when they are attacking you, it means you're doing the right thing. In another uh, response to that advice given to Donald Trump by Richard Nixon, Trump wrote back, uh, quote, One of my great ambitions is to have the Nixons as residents of Trump Tower. In response, uh, President Nixon wrote that, uh, you know what, that would be great. That'd be great. Uh, and uh, that his wife, quote, was impressed, uh, as I was, but feels that the time should not be now to undertake the ordeal of a move. Uh, you see, Mrs. Nixon had suffered a stroke not too long before that, but uh, Donald Trump was still uh, trying to get the Nixons to move into Trump Tower. Uh, wouldn't that have been fascinating? It wouldn't have been fascinating if they'd been uh, living under that same uh, roof, uh, sharing stories, uh, and maybe... Maybe uh, the, the course of history would have changed a bit. One of those butterfly effect type deals. Anyway, uh, I share all this because I am so excited to, as soon as I'm able, sit down and dig through all of these letters. Uh, the, the, the new news here today is that the Nixon Library in California is unveiling a series of letters, a long series of correspondence between Donald Trump and Richard Nixon, uh, stemming from the early 80s. Uh, to the early 90s. Fascinating stuff. Uh, thanks for letting me share some of those old history stories with you. Uh, Going to take the long break. I'll catch you tomorrow at 1230. Time now for me to make way for the great Jeff Kaplan as he steps to the mic and brings you Jeff Kaplan's afternoon news here on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.